We're talking Astros. Obviously, big story this week. You know what it is. Yes, it is. Uh, Craig Biggio with this 3,000th hit and from th- on Thursday night. And I happened to be there, and it was probably the best game I've ever seen at Mennonite Park. Absolutely. Um, Craig Biggio just playing the way Craig Biggio has always played, right? Yes, that is right, Michael. He... Uh, Craig Biggio is by far the – he's Mr. Astro in my opinion. He's always been here. He's been here 20 years. He's finally reached the 3,000-hit plateau. And when talking about how just how to run a clubhouse, I always hear about Craig Biggio is one of the leaders of this team. Yeah, and I think that um, – what was it, in the 11th inning? Yes, the 11th inning. He, uh, in fact, laid out a two-out single. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. On a ball to shortstop and – I've never seen I don't seen Bidjo run like that since he was a lot younger and in his prime just, in his prime and it was just great to see and it happened he's happened to score the be uh, part of the uh, grand slam that Carlos Lee hit in the 11th and it was just an amazing game to be at yeah and I think that this ranks up there with great Astros games got to be one of the greatest of all time to see Craig Biggio join the 3000 hit club Carlos Lee walk off grand slam and Craig Biggio just being Craig Biggio in the 11th inning, laying down, getting an infield single. And, you know, by the shortstop, there was no error on the play. No, there wasn't, Michael. I mean, I mean, it, it wasn't even questionable. No, it was just he just hustled it out. and it was, just, a routine, it was a routine ground ball for the shortstop. It was, and he just happened to just beat it out and just run down the line, busting it as he always has. That's right. And if there was ever a question in the minds of the baseball writers of America whether this guy should be a Hall of Famer, that is gone. Yes, Michael. I believe that Craig Biggio should be an automatic first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, if you look at his stats, not only is he finally a member of the threes on the hit club, but also he is the all-time leader with hit-by-pitches. Is that all-time or is that? All-time hit-by-pitch. Okay. And then also he also leads all right-handed hitters in career doubles also. And Seven-time All-Star? Seven-time All-Star. And I just don't see how there's any way he could be snubbed as a Hall of Famer because he is a Hall of Famer. Okay. Now, the big question is, is I've heard a few people say that they think that Biggio should be an All-Star this year. <clears throat> I'm, I, I'm torn I, I, by I just, I just can't agree with that. I, I really can't either. I, I am a Craig Biggio fan through and through. And I say that I'm a Craig Biggio fan. I'm a Craig Biggio fan because I'm an Astros fan. And I appreciate, you know, well-played baseball. Um, but Craig Biggio ha- is not an all-star this year, folks. Callers, if you have a different opinion or you want to share in our opinion, the number is, do you know what it is? I believe it is 281-934-4248. That's right. 281-934-4248. Astros are in action tonight against the Phillies out at Minute Maid Park. Roy Oswalt takes the mound against Adam Eaton. First pitch is at 7.05. And let's look at Roy Oswalt's career stats. I have them right here, Michael. Um, for the year, he is 7-5 and five with a 3.42 ERA, and he is, he's, had a, he's, looked, he's looked a little shaky. I mean, he's been good, but he hasn't been Roy Oswalt good this year. And I think he's starting to turn the point, uh, corner with his last start. He went seven strong innings. He only gave up one run. In uh, one run on nine hits, he walked two batters and struck four guys out, and that's pretty good. I mean, he's limiting the 
He's limiting the amount of runs scored. He's kind of allowing a few too many base runners, but I think he can do. I think he's going to control that uh, as the season goes along. I think so too, and it's important to differentiate. There's good, and there's Roy Oswalt good. Yes, Roy Oswalt. I, in my opinion, is one of the top three pitchers, if not the best pitcher in the National League. Well, yeah, you have Jake Peavy and yeah, you have Jake Peavy and Roy Oswalt, Roy Oswalt, and Carlos Zambrano, Carlos Zambrano, and that's about the top three, I would say. And ben Sheets has been good. Ben Sheets has been good this year, but I think your top three are Jake Peavy, Brad Penny is Brad Penny's probably in the conversation also, oh, absolutely, and, and Roy Oswalt are probably my top three pitchers. And see, I think Roy Oswalt is the most underrated baseball player in the National League. I tend to agree with you. I mean, he is. Far and away, because he plays in Houston, he doesn't get the coverage that someone like Brad Penny, and who plays in L.A., and Jake Peavy, who plays in Southern California also, they get more media, more media attention, and it just seems like Roy Oswalt is, has been the most consistent out of all three of them. So do you think if Roy Oswalt plays for the New York Mets or, or the Chicago Cubs or, if or, Roy Oswalt, or out in California, do you think, do you think he... Is the Cy Young winner every year like he should be? I wouldn't necessarily say a Cy Young winner, but if Roy Oswalt played with the Mets or in with the Cubs, then he would be he would lead Sports Center like every start that he made because he's just that good and he's just stuck in Houston and he doesn't get the coverage he deserves. ESPN would be covering Roy Oswalt like they covered Dicey at the beginning of the season. Yes, I believe so. And let's look at he's going up against tonight, Adam Eaton. Of the Philadelphia Phillies, seven and five on the year. Identical records, I might add. Nice, five point seven five ERA in sixteen games, all starts, zero complete games, ninety two innings pitched, ninety six hits surrendered, sixty one runs, fifty nine earned, given up fifteen homers, forty three bases on balls, and fifty seven strikeouts. Last start was on June twenty eighth. Against Cincinnati, it was a no decision. Went six innings, six hits, five earns, three runs, three, six, sorry, six hits, five earned runs, three walks, two strikeouts. So, Adam Eaton, probably a middle of the line. Yeah, he's he's uh, the Phillies' third starter, third or fourth starter, and I think we have the pitching edge tonight. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when Roy Oswalt's on the mound, you're going to have the pitching edge, what, nine out of ten times probably. Yeah, I mean, Roy Oswalt's one of the most dominant pitchers, as we've said, in the National League, and he's really cons- he's been usually really consistent. But this year has been a little shaky for him, but he still looks mighty good for just any other starting pitcher in the National League. Well, I think that the only reason that it's really been, that it's really been any different, I think that the lack of offense, it tar- it has tarnished his record. I think that you know he maybe wouldn't have as many losses, or maybe would have a, cu- a few more wins. Yeah, I mean that's that's correct, Michael. I mean uh, just in his last start when he uh, it was the same night as the Craig Biggio 3000th hit, he left the game. He only gave it one run, but when he left the game, we were losing one nothing, and Biggio happened to drive in the tying run to make it one to one in the bottom of the seventh on his 3000th hit to go ahead and take uh, Oswald off the hook for the loss in that game. Absolutely. Roster changes this week for the Astros. 
Rick White getting the hook. Yeah, Rick White. I mean, he looked really good coming out of spring training, and he happened to make the ball club as a non-roster invitee. But he hasn't performed as well as we had hoped in the big leagues. And when it comes to long middle relief, we really need a bridge to get to our big three to set the game up and close it out, and he just hasn't done the job this year. You said big three. Who could be the big three? There's well, no big three in the Astros bullpen. Well, are we as much as we... Uh, We'd like there to be a big three. As much as we would... There... As much as we would like there to be a big three, we still have to refer to them as our big three because they are they are who we count the on. The thing is, I still don't even know who you're talking about. I'm, of course I'm talking about Chad Qualls, Dan Wheeler, and Brad Lidge. But the thing is, is that... One of which is on the DL. Brad the other Lidge. Of which, the other of which threw the ball up into a stands because he gave up, what, a, a five-run lead? Yes, but we have to be able to rely on them in order to do something, do well this year. I see what you're saying. It's hard to rely on somebody that can't pitch. <laughs> it really is, Michael, but we just have to we, if we're counting on them to do well, then they need to do their job and until so we get somebody else in there to in that spot to close games for us, then I'm still going to consider them our big 3. Okay. So Steve Marson says that the Astros big 3 are Chad Qualls, Dan Wheeler, and Brad Lidge. Please, I hope there's someone out there they can call and uh, completely go against his argument. Seven, excuse me, the number is 281-934-4248. Callers, we want to hear your opinion on the Astros' woes so far this season. They're going up tonight against the Phillies. We're taking you right up until game time. Right here on 107.9 FM, KQLCLP. Also streaming live on the internet www.primetimesportsreport.com You can subscribe to the podcast, read the blogs, listen to the show. We're talking Astros also this past week. Stephen Randolph, designated for assignment. Yes, Michael. Uh, Stephen Randolph sent back down to AAA. Uh, he has looked really impressive in uh, AAA. He's had like a 234 ERA and an incredible strikeout-to-walk ratio, and or strikeout-to-inning ratio, mind you, and... I don't know. We give him, we've given him a couple of tries now with the big club, and he just hasn't seemed to be producing as well as he did in down in AAA. Yeah, and I think what people don't really know is Stephen Randolph has some sick numbers with the Express this year. Yes, Michael. Uh, Randolph has looked very impressive, and I just I just wish that he could be. Uh, I wish he could translate it into the big show, but as right now he he hasn't been impressive, and that's why he has been sent down twice already this year. Yeah, and while we're getting Stephen Randolph's numbers, Matt Albers and Mark McLemore recalled from AAA to replace Randolph and Rick White. Yes, Michael. Uh, uh, Albers has Albers was slated to be one of the starting pitchers this year in our rotation, and when he would start games, he just couldn't. He wasn't impressive, and so they'd send him back down to the minors to get some seasoning on him, and or give him another shot. And I think it's a uh, it could be turned out to be really well if he produces. Absolutely, and I think this guy. Um, Give him some time to develop in the league. He's going to be maybe not an ace. No, but he's going to he's going to be a good middle of the road, maybe maybe two, three, maybe a four starter. I think so, Michael. Uh, Matt Albers, I think, could be a pretty good. He can hopefully he can be a guy that can eat some innings for us and hopefully live, give our bullpen less of a burden to not overwork the bullpen as much as we have been lately. And I just think that Matt Albers, if if 
he can go out there and throw seven, six, seven innings to start, I think it would be an uh, added bonus for the Astros to eventually get back in the playoff race. Here's the line on Randolph for the season. 6-0, and 2.34 ERA with the Express. 18 appearances, 3 saves, 34 innings pitched, giving up 17 hits, 10 runs, 9 earned, 4 homers, 1 hit batter, 9 walks, 57 strikeouts, .75 on the whip. Yes, um, those are very impressive numbers for AAA, but he just hasn't looked that good in... The big club, and why do you think that is, though? I mean, how can how can how can a pitcher be so good in the minors and it not translate at all, or it not transfer at all into the big club? I've taken. I mean, that's a good question, Michael. I've taken a look at how Randolph. I've taken a look at. I've watched Randolph pitch, and he has a great. He has great stuff, but stuff can only do so much for you. You have to learn how to actually pitch in the big leagues, and apparently, he just hasn't been able to cut it yet and that's why he's still he's still searching to try to figure out how he can finally pitch in the majors well we send down randolph get mark mclemore he doesn't have enough appearances this year to to have gotten a decision but he does have a 2.08 era in three games four innings pitched five hits two earned two runs one earned hasn't given up any homers walked three batters six strikeouts in four innings Yes, uh, I do like Macklemore. I think he does have potential to become a our good left-handed arm out of the bullpen to complement Trevor Miller whenever we have a situation where we need to get bring in a left-handed hitter to get their best left-handed hitter out. Absolutely. 520 on 107.9 FM KQLC. We're going to go to Brandon with the Sports Speak. Brandon, what do you have for us? All right, guys, it's been way too long. A week is too long for me to go without uh, talking to you guys. We got Minimade, Maid, 705 as first pitch Royals, while 7 and 5 going against Adam Eaton in the Philly, 7 and 5. Uh, you think it'd be even with a win loss uh, column, but guess what? Uh, Royo has um, got a little more experience than um, our friend Adam Eaton. But, however, the Phillies' offense will be rolling with Rollins, Howard, and Chase Utley. Speaking of o- uh, Roy Oswalt, he needs your all star votes. He is on the top of the miscellaneous, and he needs your all star vote so he can make it in the all-star team um brandon micken with your sports beat about to start segment number two here at 107.9 fm kqlclp brookshire patterson san felipe and the world www.primetimesportsreport.com if you prefer to listen on the internet. Subscribe to the podcast, listen live, read our blog entries. You know what? You want to email us? We'll try to email you back. KQLCSports at gmail.com. We're taking you five to seven tonight straight up until Astros game time. That game is being broadcast on 740 AM radio in Houston, televised on Fox. Fox Sports, excuse me, Fox Sports Houston. On the show, bottom half of this hour is going to be Bernardo Fayas, soccer writer for the Houston Chronicle. Bottom half of hour number two is going to be Glenn Davis, national soccer personality. You'll recognize him from the Soccer Hour on 790 AM, the Sports Animal, and the Dynamo Soccer Report, which airs Fridays and Saturdays on Channel 55 The Tube. Call in number is 
4248. This segment, NBA Draft Time. NBA Draft, yes. Uh, I think it comes with no surprise that Greg Oden of Ohio State University happened to be selected at number one overall by the Portland Trailblazers. There was some speculation on who, who the first pick would be. Well, it was, was going to be either him or Durant. Of course, yes. And I just think that they knew that they were, were going to take Greg Oden. He's their big man, and they need a big man. And I think it's a great fit, and I think they could – Provide dividends immediately for the Portland Trailblazers. Greg Oden is is gonna is gonna be great for the for the Trailblazers, but if you're a Texas fan, then you obviously wanted to see Kevin Durant picked first. I know uh, our producer Brandon Micken, who uh, you just heard from on the beat, was a little disappointed that Durant did not go number one, but I think he's gonna be a Seattle SuperSonics fan now. I think he is. Uh, Kevin Durant drafted number two by Seattle, and of course, I mean they couldn't have gone wrong either. Either player would have been just fine for either team. And Durant just happened to go number two to the Seattle Supersonics. Rockets, who did they pick? Uh, the tw- uh, they had the 26th overall pick this year, and they drafted point guard Aaron Brooks out of Oregon. That's right. Aaron Brooks picked, I believe it was number 26 overall Yes. out of Oregon. He averaged 36.8 minutes per game, 17.7 points. 4.3 rebounds, 4.3 assists, 2.5 turnovers. That's that's nice. That's okay. I mean, I would like to see him uh, dish the ball out a little bit more, get some more assists up, uh, but I'm sure that uh, the Rockets' front office knows what they can do, and I'm sure that they can find a way to plug him into the Rick Adelman system. Absolutely. Second round, Carl Landry. Yes, Carl uh, Landry, the power forward out of Purdue University. Um I think it's another good pickup. Uh, we lack size at the power forward position, and I think that competition at the power forward position could be the best thing for the Rockets to uh, get get going and try to finally find us a good forward to compliment Yao Ming. That's right. Six seven, six feet seven inches, two hundred and forty five two hundred and forty five pounds out of Purdue. So we're getting we're getting a, a fairly good sized power forward in Carl Landry. Yeah, you're right, and uh, I just think that uh, it's something that the Rockets really needed to address. They needed to address the pow- the point guard position and the power forward position. Well, the power forward position, especially since Juan Howard got traded. Juwan Howard, yes, Juwan Howard got traded to the Minnesota Timberwolves for Mike James. And how I do you th- feel about that, Mike James? I mean, I really enjoyed it when he played with this uh, his first stint, and I was a little disappointed that we decided to go in the way of Rafer Austin instead of Mike James. But I think that. Mike James can be a very good backup uh, with also getting some starts here and there also. Yeah, absolutely. Carl Landry in 34 games, 30.4 minutes per game, 18.9 points, 7.3 rebounds. You would like to see that number particularly up a little bit. Yes, I would think so from the power forward position. But also we do have Yao Ming that can rebound the ball for us. And, I mean, he's going to need to get rebounds. But I think I think it could be okay if he gets about – 10 rebounds a game, I think that'd be ideal for an ideal situation for the Rockets. Yeah, and going back to Mike James, last season with the Timberwolves, averaged around 25 minutes a game and was in double figures in points. So, all around good backup point guard for the Rockets. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Mike James is, I mean, and he also has the experience of being on a championship team, and that's always big. Absolutely. Callers, we want to get your opinion. The number is 281. Nine three four, four two four eight. That's two eight one nine three four, 
4248. Right here, it's 527 on 107.9 FM, KQLC LP. The Primetime Sports Report with me, Michael Simpson, and my co-host, Steve Martian. Yes, um, somebody rightly mentioned about the Astros is uh, the All-Star selections, and we happen to have Carlos Lee get selected to the All-Star team this year. Michael, what do you think about that? Uh, I mean, I think it's I think it's great. I think that you know Carlos Lee definitely definitely deserving to be there. Um, the only Astros deserving to be there. He's got seventy RBIs. We're not even eighty-two games into the season. Yeah, he's he single-handedly is almost single-handedly is just. He, he is the Astros' offense. He is the Astros' offense, along with Hunter Pence right now. And he 70, 70 runs batted in on a team that doesn't put many runners on base. And to get RBIs, there has to be people on base to drive in. And that's just a staggering number for our futility at the, at the plate. That's right. Carlos Lee batting just under 300 at 296, 16 homers, 70 RBIs. And five stolen bases. Five stolen bases, yes. People do not realize that Carlos Lee is a threat on the bases, even though, regardless of his size, he is, I think, he's underrated. And he can steal bases every once in a while. And I just think that I love stolen bases. They help. They're just as good as a hit, almost. Yeah. I, I can I can appreciate that. Um, especially, you know, when, you, when you're less than two outs, got a runner on first. Stealing second, that eliminates the possibility of the double play. It does, and that's just that's what's one of the things of the game that are overlooked, I think, like the small ball concept. And I just think that a single and a stolen base is just as good as a double, and it's just a very important part of the game. And with Carlos Lee being able to drive in so many runs and being such a big part of the team, then he definitely deserves to be an all-star this year. Absolutely. Carlos Lee's numbers for 2007. That's this season. That's this, this season. 83 games appeared, 318 at-bats, 45 runs scored, 94 hits, 22 doubles, one triple. Carlos Lee legged out a triple. Yes. Uh, 16 homers, 70 RBIs, only 31 strikeouts. Yes, and also I think that a, uh, another big thing is the fact that with the final vote going on, Roy Oswalt has been nominated for the uh, – all-star final vote along with Tom Gorzolani, Brandon Webb, Chris Young, and Carlos Zambrano. Michael, out of those five, who do you think should be elected to represent the National League in the All-Star game? Well, obviously, I would love to see Roy Oswald, but I think it's probably going to be Chris Young. You think it's going to be Chris Young? Why is that? I just think I just think he's he's proven himself better than than Roy Oswald has this year. Okay, Michael, that's a, he's not Chris Young has been very impressive this year, but. I think if there's one pitcher out of those five that I would really, that I think that would be the most dominant to come in the game in a one or two inning situation would be the big Z himself, Carlos Zambrano. He is, he is throws the ball really hard, and I just think that he would be the guy to come in at like a fifth or sixth inning situation and just mow people down. Absolutely, and it means something now. The mm-hmm. the All Star game. It does. All right. Well, we have a caller on the line. We're going to get to Desmond. Desmond, you're on the Primetime Sports Report. What do you got for us? Uh, I was just kind of thinking, Michael, that I think Woody Williams needs to go retire. Yeah? That, yeah. Yeah, you think it's time for him to, to get put out to pasture? Yes, Ryan the Pine Pony. Yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't, he's, he's underachieved this year, hasn't he? 
Yeah, because I think I think it's really unfair to the bullpen because you know Roy Oswalt can go a whole game as he's proven last year and the year before last, and then Woody Williams comes in and he just kind of you know goes four innings or five innings, and you know I mean sometimes he'll be good, but it takes him I think it takes him too many pitches to actually get get to where he needs to be. Yeah, Woody Williams this year has got a four and ten record. Exactly. Five point four seven ERA. So he's definitely underachieving. But, Des, I have to ask, if not Woody Williams, where do we go? There's, there's no other starting pitching. Um, yeah, I mean, you really got a good point there because, I mean, all we, all we can really hope is that Brandon Backey gets back, but we don't want him to get back too quick or, you know, who knows, who knows how bad his... Well, yeah, we don't, want him to rela- we don't want him to relapse, do we? No, no relapse. All right, Des, thanks for the call. All right. So Des weighing in. Talking, Woody Williams thinks he should be put out to pasture. Yes, um, Woody. He he's not what we hoped for. I, I don't think when we signed him uh, in the offseason this past year. I mean, it was great to sign a uh, Houston guy to be on the team, but that nostalgia kind of loses its luster whenever he's four and ten with a five forty seven ERA and hasn't been all that impressive this year. Absolutely. Call in number two eight one nine three four four two four eight two eight one nine three four Four two four eight. We're talking NBA draft, Astros, Rockets, Houston Dynamo coming up later in the show. Yes, Houston Dynamo. They've been very impressive lately. They have been very impressive. Astros playing tonight out at Minute Maid Park. Seven oh five. First pitch. It's going to be Roy Oswald up against Adam Eaton. We've clearly got the pitching advantage. Yes, Michael. We, I I believe we have the pitching advantage as far as starters go. But when it comes down to the bullpen, we just never know what's going to happen. It's just like a a it's just like a lottery almost how our bullpen happens to work sometimes. Yeah, and and you mentioned earlier you mentioned the big three, and we should have a big three. We should. And Every other team tries to have a quote big three in do. place. And not the Astros. Well, I would hope I would love to think of them as the big three, and I still will. But it's just really hard to deal with sometimes. Whenever we have, when we know that they're capable of doing very well, but they just don't seem to get the, they just don't seem to perform when it comes down to it. Yeah. Well, Dan Wheeler this year is 11 for 15 in save opportunities. He's got a one and four record. His ERA, though, is 6.28. Mm, that's not good at all for a closer. I mean, ERA numbers for for guys that usually pitch one inning are do get inflated sometimes, but that still is He's unacceptable. He's given up eight homers, 27 earned runs this season. Yes, that's not that's not ideally what you would want from a uh, bullpen guy, and he's our guy closing games right now because Brad Lidge is hurt and no one else wants apparently wants to be the guy that close games. Well, nobody else can be the guy to close games. The Astros don't have a closer. We talked uh, we talked with Chris Bagley last week, and uh, we talked about the talks of an Astros trade between the White Sox. And I mentioned, well, we don't have a closer to give them. And he said, well, they don't need one. So That's true. Uh, I, do, I do like the fact of possibly making a trade with the White Sox to get a – Left-handed arm in our uh, rotation, that arm being uh, Mark Burley. But uh, reports out of Chicago right now are saying that uh, Ken, uh, G- general manager Ken, Kenny Williams is not is not looking to trade him at this time. But then again, it is Kenny Williams, and he likes to change his mind a lot. So I don't know. He could stay White Sox. He could not. It should be very interesting to watch. Maybe he's looking to trade managers. 
I don't know. Um, at this point, I think that uh, Phil Garner could be doing a lot better job. I mean, he, to, in my opinion, he hasn't been making the best decisions that he could make. But I don't know. Maybe a change of scenery is what the ball club could use here in the next in the next week or so. Actually, absolutely. Well, what I don't like about Phil Garner is uh, this year, at least, and obviously, mm-hmm. back in what was it, two thousand four. Two thousand four. Yes, that's when he got hired. He did wonders with that club the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. Got us within one game of the World Series. Yes. The next year, he got us to the World Series. Yes, he did, which was very impressive. But but I'm sorry. Craig Biggio is no longer a leadoff hitter. Somebody call in and tell me that I'm wrong. 281-934-4248. Well, if Craig Biggio is not going to lead off, who is, Michael? Anybody else. Somebody that can get on base. Well, yeah, that's a good point. Mark Loretta. Mark Loretta, he is. How big has he been for us this year? Way big, way way bigger than we thought he was going to be. Because I mean, obviously, we don't foresee Adam Everett breaking his leg. No, not at all. And but Mark Loretta, Mark Loretta is who you want to have. You want to have a Mark Loretta on your team in that in that situation. And I'm going to go go out on a limb and say that that most clubs probably don't have that opportunity to have a veteran guy on their bench because. Players, baseball players, if they've been in the league for a while, they want to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't want to sit. No, they don't. And that's the thing about Mark Loretta is that he he's one year removed from being the starting second baseman for the All Star game for the American League. And it's when you can have somebody on your bench like that, and they occasionally start, and now he has acquired a starting position full time. I think it's well very, for now. Well, for now, but I think. I don't see how you can sit a guy that's hitting 330 constantly for throughout a whole year either. Very true. And I'm really impressed right now with the way our offense is working right now. And it seems like we've been scoring a lot of runs ever since Adam Everett did get hurt. And Now, see, I hate to say this because I'm a big Adam Everett fan. And there is no doubt in my mind that he is the best defensive shortstop in baseball. But... How much is defense worth in the terms of offense? Do you get what I'm saying? That's a good question. How much, to get a new shortstop, how much defense are we willing to give up in order to get some offense? See, that's a really good question, Michael. Um, I think I've heard people say that Adam Everett usually saves the Astros one run per game, and that's a really big number if you think about it. But then again, how many times does he come up to the plate with men on base? How many runs does he cost is the question. That's a good, that's a good point, Michael. That's what I was getting, trying to get at. And I don't know. I'm not quite sure if it's worth saving the one run per game if he comes up to the plate in crucial situations and doesn't produce and doesn't drive in key runs for us. Well, Mark Loretta right now is his replacement as we're going to get ready for Brandon with the beat. Um, Mark Loretta is his replacement right now. He is boasting a 326 batting average, 28 RBIs, and 215 at-bats. 540 on 107.9 FM, KQLC. We're going to Brandon with the beat. All right, you ready for your sports beat? Here it is. Astros versus Phillies, 705. San Royo, the wizard, our man, our ace, our stud, 7-5, 3.42 ERA. Guys, he needs your all-star votes. He's number one on the miscellaneous. Someone on this show said that if they were to pick one guy to put in there for one inning, it would be Carlos Sombrano. Well, I want three hitters that would want to go 
to the All-Star game and face Roy Oswald, if you tell him that all he has to do is get three outs, that is a very disturbed man that's going to be pitching against those three batters there. Faces Adam Eaton, also 7-5, but ERA is uh, flirting with six. So it's going to be a pretty good matchup. you got good pitching versus bad pitching, good offense versus a struggling slash sprouting offense. Um, Brandon Mickin with the sports beat. On 107.9 FM, KQLC. We're about to get Bernardo Fias on the phone to talk Houston Dynamo, amongst other topics. Yes, and uh, Dynamo, they've looked really impressive this this year so far. And they're on a six-game non-losing streak. A six-game... That's true. That's true. They, they, they started, out, started out a little rocky. Yes, but it wasn't... They played well. They just couldn't put the ball on the goal. And that's, well, that's a big problem to have when yeah, you're playing it is, soccer. Yeah, it is. And they've looked really impressive the past the past uh, couple few weeks, over the past month, really. And now they're in a good situation to get themselves back in the playoff, uh, playoff race in the MLS West Division. Big news out of Houston today. Houston, big Houston Dynamo news. The Dynamo acquires former All-Star, All-Star Nate Jacqua. From the Los Angeles Galaxy. They traded Kelly Gray in a second round pick in the 2008 MLS Super Draft. Now the problem that I have with this trade, and we'll get Bernardo's opinion on it here in just a few minutes. The problem I have with this trade is this. Why? Why do you need so many forwards? You've got Brian Ching. You've got Joseph Nguyenia, who has been great since coming over from the Columbus Crew. You've got Paul Dogleash, who is on his way back from, from being injured. And you've got Chris Wondolowski. And now Nate Jacqua. The Dynamo are saturated at the forward position. And we could still use Kelly Gray on defense. And we could. All right. We're talking Houston Dynamo. They're on a six-game unbeaten streak. Six-game unbeaten streak. The winning streak was just broken not long ago by FC Dallas. Mm-hmm. And it was a... I mean, it was. I believe it was a scoreless game, actually. And it was a scoreless game, and for all you soccer critics out there, there are only only eight percent of games in MLS this season have been a scoreless tie. All of my friends always rag on me for liking soccer because they don't like the potential for it to end in a zero-zero tie. They say, "Oh, soccer games just end in a zero-zero tie." Well, that is not true. Only eight percent of soccer games this season in MLS have ended in a scoreless tie. Yes, and usually, I mean, with the, with my in my opinion, I really happen to like to watch defensive struggles. I mean, I think it's I'd rather see like just like in baseball, how I would love to see a pitcher's duel. In soccer, I would really love to see a good defensive uh, a good defensive struggle and I mean, a good offensive struggle and two good defenses going up against each other, where one goal can determine who wins and who loses. That's right, and um, FC Dallas. And Houston each only had three shots on goal. Houston and FC Dallas each only had three shots on goal. We're talking Houston Dynamo on a six-game unbeaten streak. The U.S. men's national soccer team 
are in the Copa America. Yes, um, in the Copa America, they haven't looked that impressive, to be honest with you, in the Copa America. And they it's shown, and they are 0-2 right now in their pool. And uh, they've taken some pretty good thumpings, actually, this, this time around. That's true. They lost 4-1 to Argentina and then 3-1 to Paraguay. Mm-hmm. And they haven't been too impressive. But the fact of the matter is, is... This is their second tournament of the summer. Mm-hmm. They yes. just finished up winning the Gold Cup in a thrilling game against Mexico. Very thrilling. Um, and the fact of the matter is, is that one of these games, or one of the, sorry, one of these tournaments all the time was going to be a player development tournament. It was going to be a tournament where Bob Bradley selected a bunch of young guys to, to get some opportunity to come out and prove themselves with the big national team. And that holds true uh, with Sasha Kleschen getting a lot of getting a lot of minutes uh, with with the team U.S. Soccer in the Copa America. I believe their final game. When is that? Is that today? I believe it's Thursday. Actually, is it th- yeah, yeah, you're right. It's Thursday because I believe it is right before the Dynamo take on Red Bull New York mm-hmm. at Robertson Stadium. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe they play Columbia also. And Columbia also is 0-2 in our pool. So. I guess we're playing for third place right now, and I would really like to, at least if we're not going to advance in the in the Copa America, I would at least make, like to make a good showing and not be one of the teams that go 0-3 and have the worst goal differential. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Brad Guzan potentially could get the start. He's the uh, number one, he's the main goalkeeper for Chivas USA. Right now he's with the U.S. national team, and he could potentially get the start Thursday as the U.S. takes on Poland. Um, and this this tournament is, is over for the U.S. They, they can't do anything. They can't possibly advance. Um, Bob Bradley is just going to get some of his young guys some minutes down there. Yeah, and that's going to be the, one of the best things that can they, they could possibly do right now. And at least just try to get some guys some experience so that later on the line, like in more international and bigger tournaments and bigger and bigger international tournaments that they could probably do pretty well in and be a powerhouse again. Yeah, and the U.S. winning the Gold Cup, what that does is that that gets them into the Confederations Cup, and that's you know just a bigger a bigger tournament um, with with winners from with 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 the winners from their respective regions. Mm. Uh, the Gold Cup is the Concacaf. Which is the Concacaf is the region mm-hmm. in which U.S. soccer belongs to, mm-hmm. and so winning in Concacaf ultimately propels you to go on to a better competition with uh, with winners from other regions. It's it's along the same mentality as 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 playoffs in the NBA or or high school playoffs where you go to district and regionals and state. Well, it's obviously on a little bit you know mm-hmm. yeah I agree larger scale. Yeah, I totally agree. All right, great. We have Bernardo Fallis from the Houston Chronicle joining us on the Primetime Sports Report. Bernardo, we're just going to talk some Houston Dynamo. Um, the six-game unbeaten streak, the winning streak, you know, goes to an end with the tie up in Dallas this past Saturday. Right. And uh, Kelly Gray being traded. That was announced today. And, Bernardo, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of this. I think that this really saturates the Dynamo at the forward position. What do you think? Well... I, I got news for you, and this is, uh, you can call them breaking news. I just found out, we'll go back to to the Nate Jaguar trade in a second, but I just found out 
that Brad Davis is out indefinitely with a light torn medial meniscus in his right knee. Wow, that is big news. So that is very big news considering that Brad Davis has been the starting left winger, you know, for the past few years. Well, he led the league in assists last year. Right. Right. He is um he's going to be missed. Now, with that in mind, let's talk about the um the trade. Nate Jackwell, I think Tom told me today that he is he's been a big fan of Nate for quite a while now. Uh, ever since he was in Chicago. Uh, he likes him as a forward, but he also likes him as a midfielder. Um, we know that Nate is 6'3", but, you know, his strength is not so much in the aerial game. He's, he's got very good footwork. Um, and I think Dom is for a little bit of both. Um, yeah, you can say we have too many forwards, but you don't know, or we don't know, you know, how Ching is going to fare this summer with all this extra work he's had to do uh, with the national team. And, um, you know, well, Nate Jaguar could be Ching's backup as a target forward. Now, you know, we lose a defender who can also play midfielder, but if you really look at it, uh, this is this was sort of announced when when Richard Mulrooney joined the team, because Richard Mulrooney, uh, when Ricardo Clark comes back, is not going to have a starting spot, and I think well that um, is unless he moves back to right back and Craig Weibel goes back to the bench. Correct, and I think that is that is the plan. Mulrooney is going to play, and Craig Weibel going to become the backup at right back. We, or the team didn't need really three back, three, three backups at right back. So I think, I think Kelly Gray understood that. I think Dom understood that. And I think, I think at the end it's going to be better for Kelly to go to the Galaxy and get some more playing. Um, as we, as we look at, at the Galaxy, remember they're missing Chris Albright, uh, who's injured. So I think that might mean more minutes for Kelly Gray. And so, I mean, that's, if that's a win-win situation for him, you know. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, I think I believe. I'm not a big fan of the uh, of the trade because I don't know Nate that much that well. But I think I mean I for once I want to give Dom the benefit of the doubt on this one. Yeah, and I think uh, Kelly Gray is at the point in his career um, where he, he he needs to be getting minutes to oh, to survive in the league. He's, you know. Uh, Two, three years ago, um, it would have been okay for Kelly to come off the bench every once in a while because he was he was young, but he's... Well, he's in his fifth year now. 25, not 26, 25, yeah. 26. He's, yeah, and, and he's, you know he's in his fifth year. He's starting now. Yeah, he's he's in his fifth year in the league. He's, uh, he's almost a situation like Kevin Goldthwaite was, and it's just a shame that these that these players are good and that we can't facilitate playing time for all of them. Um, Kevin Goldthwaite had to had to go to Toronto and um, to get some playing time, and now he's in New York. And speaking of that, what do you, what do you think of that trade, um, Goldthwaite to New York, and how do you think he'll fit in there? Because he was, you know, he was he was an every game starter in Toronto. What's his role going to be in New York? Do you think? Well, it's going to be interesting because Bruce Arena knows what he's doing. The fact that Bruce Arena runs 
Kevin Goldthwaite, his team, speaks a lot. I think it's a good chance for Goldthwaite to, to grow uh, under the uh, guidance of a former national team coach. And, you know, I think good things can come out of this. Uh, in the end, I, if you look at it, Goldthwaite's going to be going to the playoffs with New York, not likely with Toronto. Um, That's true. As to whether or not he's going to be starter like he was in Toronto, I mean, that's yet to be seen. I, I don't I don't think so. I, you know, things could happen. I don't think Bruce Arena still uh, – I don't think he's done tweaking his, his lineup over there in, in New York. So, yeah, and I think it's a good trade for, for Goldthwait. Yeah, and Bernardo, the reason I'm – um, well, at, at first I wasn't a fan of, of the Joseph Neguinia trade, but I guess, you know, I got proven wrong on that. Um, but I, I guess what's really discouraging is that is that getting trading a defender for a forward or, or a, a defender and midfielder for a forward midfielder, it really, in my mind, maybe slows down some player development because all, all of a sudden you're taking away maybe minutes that Corey Ash might be getting out on that left wing. And um, then all of a sudden, maybe you're taking away minutes from from Stuart Holden, who who's been promising in recent games. Um, so, how do you feel about that? Well, I think right now we're forced to think and consider the uh, the injury at Davis's knee. So we know that Ray actually is going to be getting plenty of minutes on the left, um, and we know Stuart Holden is probably going to be harder on the left uh, side. Uh, for the time being, so not to worry about you know how much time these guys are gonna lose because there's another forward as mid midfielder coming in. Nate Jack was more of a um, you know right side midfielder, so uh, in Stewart Holden played both sides. Or Ash was more comfortable on the left. Um, and as far as player development, well, you know if you look at the positive side of it. This means that, you know, Patrick Ianni is going to have to step up. He just moved up one spot in the uh, depth uh, chart. Um, and do, you think he gets the, dumb, do you think he gets the start this week with uh I think with he definitely Eddie will get the start because, yeah, remember that Eddie Robinson is uh, will be serving a one-match suspension for yellow card accumulation. So uh, Patrick Ianni looks to me to be a starter uh, on Thursday at uh, New York. Okay, and um, give us your thoughts on the U.S. men's national team. Uh, I think the big question is, should Bob Bradley have taken this young squad? Um, and obviously, you know, for player development purposes, I think it was a good call. Uh, but what do you think? Well, I think uh, I made my thoughts pretty clear. I wrote a blog, um, and the title was, you know, sending a B team to Copa America hurts the U.S. credibility. Now, I'm all for player development, but, you know, what you see is what you get. You send a young, inexperienced squad to one of the most storied uh, tournaments in the world. We gotta, we're talking about a tournament that uh, predates the World Cup and, you know, is second perhaps only to the European Championship. Um, I think it, the Copa America offered and offers a great chance for players to get the right experience and a great chance of exposure uh, for the U.S. national team, but not with a rookie 
something like this one. Now, Michael, I think we have in mind this is not so much what Bradley is doing. Um, obviously, the U.S. Soccer Federation uh, said from the very beginning that they were going to focus on the Gold Cup because, A, they were the defending champions, and B, uh, which is the most important one, is that winning the Gold Cup will give or gave um, the U.S. team a berth in the Confederations Cup in 2009. So, you know, I, I think it was Bradley was put in this situation in which, well, they expected to go to Copa America, uh, but he knew ahead of time that we're not going to be able to have the strongest teams. Uh, obviously, the European base players needed rest coming off a long season. And, you know, with with the MLS having the type of schedule that it currently has, not not taking for this type of tournament, um, you know, you, you get some these situations where players like Landon Donovan or Brian Ching, uh, you know, can't be away for a month or a month and a half. Um, so because their team, your club team, need them back. And so you run into that type of situation, and, and you know this is what you get. I don't think so much Bob Bradley's call, but you know, I mean, he, he's doing the best he can with what he has, but uh, not the not the uh, the right scenario for the U.S. to to get respect and credibility and you know boost their image at at the world level. Uh, you know, having such a great chance with some of the best teams in the world, like Brazil, Argentina, and you know. You know, Paraguay, I guess, if you want to. Paraguay's a pretty good South American team. Not not, not the greatest in the world, but, but uh, you know, there's some good competition down there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Juan Pablo Angel, going back to MLS for a second. Um, Juan Pablo Angel, I believe, leading the league in goals. What is your opinion on him and, and how he's affected New York? Or I guess the Pop- question, where is New York at this point in the season without Juan Pablo Angel? Oh well, that that's an interesting question, you know. And, and let's put it in the context that uh, we can all understand. When you say leading, you know, leading the, the league in goals, let's talk about goals. Nine goals, two assists in eight games. He's averaging better than a goal a game. Uh, this is a guy who came from the English Premier League, and he has so he was signed as a designated player for New York alongside Claudio Reyna. And you know what? He's having the impact that everyone thought he was going to have. It's not David Beckham. He doesn't have the name recognition of David Beckham or Cosmo Blanco. But you know what? This is this is why MLS to get more defensive players because these guys elevate the level of play. He's obviously showing it. You know what? New York without him, it could be in fourth place place right now. Now. We got to think. New York could be a contender for first place. That they, they've had, they've hit sort of a, a rough stretch uh, in the last couple of games. But, but third place is still deceiving for the New York team, uh, which I expect will will challenge for the uh, for the first place in the East when, when all is said and done. Absolutely. Well. Bernardo, uh, thank you for joining us, giving your insight, giving us your insight in the world of soccer. Uh, we look forward to having you back um, again real soon. 
Thank you, uh, Michael. Thank you for having me, and congratulations on the show. Thank you so much. Take care. That was Bernardo Fallis, soccer writer for the Houston Chronicle, weighing in, giving us his opinions on the Houston Dynamo's six-game unbeaten streak, the Nate Jacqua trade. Giving up Kelly Gray for that, by the way. Saturated it forward. Oh, well. Kelly Gray's going to get some good minutes. We're going to have Brandon with the sports beat right now. Guys, I don't know if I can go on hearing that about Brad Davis. Uh, that was one of my favorite players next to uh, Brian Ching. Oh, well. Hey, got the lineups for you guys. Uh, Phillies, here's the lineups. Uh, Jimmy Rollins is leading off, of course. Then you got Bourne, Chase Utley, Ryan Howard, Shane Victorino, Dobbs, Helms, uh, Rob Barajas. I think that's uh, Michael's favorite player. And you got the pitcher, Adam Eaton. For the Astros, doesn't look too different. Bichio uh, is leading off, hitting 257. You got Hunter Pence, Lance Berkman, Carlos Lee, Caballo. Um, that's the same person. Then Mark Loretta, Mike Lamb, Luke Scott, Brad Osmus, and uh, Roy Oswald. Again, the Wizard needs your all-star votes, guys. He needs your votes. I'm Brandon Micken with your Sports Beat. Rod Barajas is not my favorite baseball player. Nor will he ever be. In fact, I think it's fair to say that I'm not a big fan. Six oh five here on Brookshire's home for Christian Community Radio, one oh seven point nine FM, KQLC. Special thanks to my guest Bernardo Fias, giving us his insight on the world of soccer. Also streaming on the internet at www.primetimesportsreport.com. Subscribe to the podcast. Listen live. Read our blog. We're going straight up until 7 o'clock. Right before Astros game time on 7.40 a.m. radio KTRH. Televised on Fox Sports Houston. Bottom half of this hour. We'll have Glenn Davis. National soccer personality, host of the Soccer Hour on 790 AM, the sports animal in Houston. Also does the Dynamo Soccer Report on Channel 55, the tube. Call-in number is 281-934-4248. 281-934-4248. Yes, um, we're going to talk about the uh, the All-Star Game coming up next Tuesday night in San Francisco. And as we've mentioned, we do have Carlos Lee going for the Astros, and there's a possibility that Roy Oswald can be joining him. But what I would like to talk about right now, Michael, is go ahead and say it, but go ahead and be against it. But Barry Bonds is starting this year in the All-Star game. Yeah. I personally think it's—I think he should be. I mean, he is as much as— as much as we hate to say it, and much as we don't want to believe it's going to happen, he is going to be the all-time leader in home runs come by, by the end of the by the end of the season. And it's only because it's in San Francisco. That's the only reason he's there. Um, uh, that has a lot to do with that. It. Does have a lot to do with it, and I think that it was very interesting to see how he was nowhere on the list, nowhere close to being on elected uh, like he wasn't even top five until this weekend and all of a sudden he goes that goes ahead and hops in front of uh, Alfonso Soriano and grabs the last starting spot in the NL outfield 
along with Carlos Belichick of the New York Mets and Ken Griffey Jr. Ken Griffey Jr. How did I forget about Jr.? He's he's just as impressive as uh, Barry Bonds. That's true. Ken Griffey Jr., that last spot in the outfield. Barry Bonds stats this season. Okay, for, first of all, he's only got 194 in bats. Well, that's also because he's been walked 82 times also. That's fair. Okay. 43 runs scored, 59 hits, 10 doubles, 16 homers, 40 RBI, slugging 603, boasting a dainty 304 average. Yes, and Barry Bonds is throwing impressive numbers when he gets pitched to, and he is just, I don't know, say what you want about him, how he's Mr. Balco and everything, but... Even without that, he's still one of the best players to ever play this game, and I think it's a good way to send him off in his la- in his final year. It what appears to be his final year. Do anyway. you think it'll be his final year? That's a very good question, Michael. I think I think it's his final year with the Giants anyway, and I do think that if he were to come back, it'd be in an American League ballpark, and he would be a designated hitter. A designated hitter. I think that'd be the best thing for him. Could be callers. We want your opinion. Two eight one nine three four four two four eight. Two eight one nine three four four two four eight. We're talking Astros. We're talking baseball in general. All star selections, NBA draft, Texans, mostly Astros. Texans, maybe. Texans, maybe. Soccer season. I mean, football season's only three months away now. But going back to the whole All Star conversation. Well, the real football is in season right now. The real football is always in season, Michael. But the uh, the Astros are sending. Are sending Carlos Lee, and I think that he definitely deserves to be there. And I would like to see Biggio get a chance just because of what he's done for the game and how, how he's Biggio. But uh, as far as numbers go, he doesn't deserve a spot. And I don't know. I just think it's. I just think it's. There's other people out there that deserved over Biggio, and they got that. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. Biggio just. He hasn't had an he hasn't had an all star year, and my explanation for this is because I know there's a lot of people out there who really would like to see him in the all star game, and and I'm one of them. I would love to see Craig Biggio in the all star game more than just because he's Craig Biggio, but because he's an Astro. But you know, Craig Biggio has had a, an amazing career. Obviously, um, he's at three thousand seven career hits right now, and and still counting and still counting, absolutely. But he has over 3,000 hits because of previous seasons that he's been amazing. Yes. And he was an all-star in seven of those seasons. Yes, he was. Seven-time all-star. So in 2007, he has a 257 average with five homers, 27 RBI, three stolen bases. It's not an all-star season. It's, not, it's, not, it's, it's very lackluster, but, I mean, he's, he is beyond the twilight of his career and... I mean, it's great that he spent all his 20 seasons in an Astros uniform, but as far as actually being considered for an All-Star, I don't think there's no way you can put him on the All-Star team. There's no way. Yes. Chase Utley, hands down. Chase Utley, Orlando Hudson at second base, also having a great year. And I just don't think that he warrants being selected for the All-Star team. He's batting 257. 257. There's not, no way he's no. on the All-Star team. No. And then... uh. Also, Roy Oswald has the possibility of being selected for the All-Star team. And go out there and vote, fans, if you want to see your boy Roy O taking down a taking down an inning or two in the All-Star game for uh, and sign to see if we can get this home field for the National League finally. Yeah, if you want to vote, you can visit Astros.com. 
They have links all over the website. Yes, they do. Pleading for you to vote for Roy Oswalt for the final for the final spot. And actually, Steve, how do you think his start tonight against the Phillies plays into whether or not he's going to even contend for that final spot? That's a good question, Michael. Uh, I think that tonight can be a very pivotal start for Roy Oswalt when it comes to actually trying to get someone selected, try to get himself selected for the All-Star game. Uh, I think that with every pitcher's their last performance is going to weigh on how the voters feel, how voters will vote for whoever they feel should be deserving of this final roster spot. Yeah, and I think Oswald is very lucky to be able to uh, to be able to have that opportunity to try to you know make his case that he should be an All Star. And Roy Oswald, as we've said, we said last week and this week, is not having a Roy Oswald year. But he's still but having a very good year. That doesn't mean he can't be an All Star. A Roy Oswald year would be darn near a perfect year. Yes, and he's 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 looked very good this year for for just an ordinary run of the mill pitcher, but he's Roy Oswald and he he himself expects himself to do better than what he's doing this year. Roy Oswald holds himself to a higher standard than um than how he's performed this year. Yes. So speaking of the pitchers for the All Star game, Michael, who do you think deserves the start? For the National League and the American League in the All-Star game? I think Jake Peavy for the National League. Um, Jake Peavy has been solid this year for the Padres. I'm going to pull up his numbers right now. Why don't you talk to us about the AL? American League. Okay, I like Dan Heron to be the American League starter for the American for the American League uh, on the mound. Uh, he is, he's been nothing short of amazing this year for the Oakland A's, and he has... He got roughed up in his last start, but before then he had a sub two ERA for the whole season, and he was just—he's been unhittable. And I still think he is hands down the best pitcher in the American League right now. Okay, well, just some numbers on Jake Peavy for the National League: a two point oh nine ERA, a nine and two record, seventeen starts, one hundred and twelve innings, eighty-seven hits, twenty-eight runs, twenty-six earned. Steve. Yes. He's only given up two home runs the whole season. <laughs> that's pretty That's pretty amazing how a, a guy can throw 112 innings like this and only give up two home runs. And he's just – he's been nothing short of just lights out this year. And I think that he's quite deserving of the starter spot also. But, I mean, you got a guy at the road up in the Los Angeles by the name of Brad Penny who also has had just an amazing year this year for the Dodgers. And he also has had just – Unbelievable numbers, and I think that there's, I think he could be a, a candidate to start the game also for the National League. I think so too. So, um, ah, man, I still got, I still got to go with Jake Peavy. I mean, you couldn't go wrong either way. I don't think you could, Michael. And uh, callers, if you would like to voice your opinion on that, you can call us at two eight one nine three four four two four eight and uh, give us your opinion, and we would be, be more than be more than happy to talk to you about it. That's right. We talk about our own opinions all the time. We want to know what you think. Who do you think should start for the National League in the All-Star Game? Brad Penny or Jake Beebe? Give us your thoughts. 281-934-4248. Filling out the uh, starters for the uh, National League are uh, Prince Fielder at first base. Uh, he has had an amazing year this year, and uh, he looks to be on the fast track to winning the MVP this year uh, for the Milwaukee Brewers. At second base, he has Chase Utley. He's... Far and away the best second baseman in the National League right now. And then on the left side of the infield, you have a couple of teammates. And Jose Reyes at shortstop and David Wright at third base the New York Mets. And I just think that 
there could be some players. It could be a people that could claim to have a had a better year so far. But when we're talking all stars, there's not a ex- more exciting player in the major leagues, I think, than Jose Reyes with his unbelievable speed and being able to steal bases at will. I mean, it's really fun to watch. And David Wright is always capable of having a great year at third base, fielding and hitting wise. And he's just. They're just, and they live in New York, and they play in New York also, and that helps their case a whole lot when it comes to uh, votes. Absolutely. Let's talk about pitching for the AL. We just did that. Yes. Dan Heron, you said? Dan Heron, hands down, has to be the starter for the the, uh, American League. And also, not to mention, great years by CeCe Sabathia and Justin Verlander, but, and John Lackey, but I just feel like you can't go... You have to go with Dan Heron. He's he's been the most impressive. Even though Justin Verlander threw a no hitter earlier in the year, which was which was unbelievable. He was throwing ninety nine to one hundred and two in the ninth inning, and it was just the most one of the most awesome pitching performances I've ever seen. Absolutely, it's always special when a pitcher can go out and throw a no hitter. Nolan Ryan did it what seven times? Seven times, which is never going to be touched again. Never, ever, ever. Numbers on Dan Heron. 2.20 ERA record is 10 and 2 in 18 starts, 123 innings. He's given up 10 homers, 37 runs, 30 earned, 90 hits, 31 bases on balls. That's a walk, and 98 strikeouts. That's that's very efficient right there for a strikeout to walk ratio. That's three three strikeouts for every walk. That's pretty efficient, and he has been the ace. And, and he's underrated also, I believe. I mean, you hear about CC Sabathia and Justin Verlander for and John Lackey for being amazing, but Dan Heron, you can't look over him and you can't look over his what he's accomplished so far, and I think because of that he deserves to start the all star game for the American League. We're gonna get to Brandon Micken. It is six eighteen on one oh seven point nine FM KQLC. Brandon Micken here with your sports beat. Nothing has changed. The Astros are still playing tonight at 7.05 at Minute Maid. Roy Oswald goes against Adam Eaton. Same record. Uh, two uh, completely uh, different pitchers. They are both righties. One has a 3.4 ERA and one has a 5.7 ERA. Talking a little bit about the, the All-Stars, uh, it's a diff- there's a difference between three months and a uh, 20-year career. Uh, who cares if Craig Biggio has 3,000 hits and however many doubles. He has had a terrible, um, not terrible, but uh, definitely a, uh, a pretty sorry, um, three months, so he is definitely not going to be on the All-Star team, and if he does, I'll root against him, even though I am a big Craig Biggio fan. He does not deserve to be there. I'm Brandon Micken with your Sports Beat. This is a little Toby Mac bringing us back. 620 on Brookshire's Christian Community Radio, 107.9 FM, KQLC. Phone lines are open, as always. We want to hear what you think. 281-934-4248. That's 281-934-4248. Yes, Michael. Okay, we're gonna go. We're gonna transition right now into uh, 
a conversation that apparently has been going on for the past month or so between Scott Boris and Bud Selig. Scott Boris being the super agent of Major League Baseball, who has many high-profile clients, including Carlos Beltran. And I just he has come up with a very interesting concept, and he has proposed to Bud Selig that it would be a very smart idea business-wise to turn the World Series from a seven-game series into a nine-game series, holding the first two games of the series at a neutral location. At a neutral location? Yes, a neutral location. And I don't agree with that at all. I see. For one, how does the location get selected? Well, the way the location would get selected is teams would ownerships would de- uh, place bids, and it would basically the first two games of the World Series would go to the highest bidder. That's awful. Why do you say that? Because the Yankees are going to get the first two games of the World Series every year if they're not in it. Well, I mean, I'm sure they'll, there's, they'll incorporate some different kind of rules to where the same team can't get it twi- same location. It can't go to the same location twice. And I think also that I think it's a great idea because it creates more buzz for the game. And I think it's a good way to publicize and make the World Series a big super event like the Super Bowl. And I think that's... Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You said make the World Series a big event like the Super Bowl. Yes. I and how, how many game series is the Super Bowl? Well, it's just one game that's played once a year, right? Yes. Oh, okay, but, that's what I thought. But the thing is with this is that they will go ahead and, and have a big banquet and announce all the, announce all the award winners for the, for the year, like the MVP and the Cy Youngs. And instead of dragging it on through like the entire postseason and after the postseason, they will go ahead and release all those in a one a big awards dinner to be held in the host city and then they would go on and then have the first two games at a neutral site and make it into a big celebration basically and then they would go ahead and play uh two four three uh, a two four three situation to where no it would be a two two three two situation to where each team could at least get a chance to host some games you're not going to sell me on this. Well, I mean, the, and and we were talking, Steve. We were talking about this uh, last night during our preparations for the show, and mm-hmm. and you said that that Boris would like the league to switch to a nine-game World Series, mm-hmm. and I don't have a problem with that so much because I think, you know, I think that gives more that gives more fans the opportunity to go to a World Series game mm-hmm. for one. So I think that's great. Mm-hmm. The neutral site, though. I'm not a fan of that at all because the whole thing about being a baseball fan is you follow your team the whole year because you want them to get to the World Series. But why you want your home team to be playing the games in the in the hometown? Yes, I mean they're right about that, Michael. I mean, that, that's that's what teams fight for. Teams fight to be in the World Series to bring the World Series to their city. Yes, and and you're correct about that. But the but the concept is that they're going to play two games. In a neutral site, and then they'll play a two-three-two, so that there's guaranteed that they will play at least one, that they will play home games in the World Series. They will be guaranteed. Each team will be guaranteed a home game well, in the World Series. Yeah, but you're still taking. But to go to a nine-game World Series, like I said, I don't have a problem with that because that gives more fans the opportunity to get out to a World Series game. Mm-hmm. And I've never been to one. I would love to go to one. Me too. But I think that. I think that, that having World Series games at a neutral location kind of 
robs the city of something that their team has worked for all year well, and, and then gives it to the city that, with the team that has the most money. Well, I have a very big problem with that. Well, but, well, they do the same thing in the NFL, and do you have a problem with that? No, not at all. Why is that? Because the NFL is different. The NFL's always done it like that, and it's, it's a one-game one, it's a one thing. People for the Super Bowl fly in from all over the place. To go to that ga- to go to that game, it's it's a it's a one it's a one game thing. This is the World Series. Baseball mm-hmm. is far more American than football. Well, I mean, are you sure about that? I mean, we do have baseball is America's pastime, but I mean, I think it's I think it's a really good idea for baseball to try to become try to overtake football again as the number one sport in, the, in America. Okay, if 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 the NFL did do that, say the NFL. Does they no they no longer place bids to uh, they no longer place bids to get the Super Bowl in Houston? So they do that. Okay. Okay. Who gets the home, who gets the home field advantage? Because it's only one game. That's true. And uh, to, to that's do that point. to do that you would have to play a best of three a best of three series, which football will never do and no, should they, never do. No. I mean that's just one of the differences between football and baseball. I mean football any anything can happen in football and. Anything can happen in baseball also, but with over the course of time in baseball, I mean, usually the way you can determine who's a better team by playing a series, and usually in football, you can usually tell a better team by one game, and that's the, that's the reason why football's world championship is a one game, is just a one game, and that the world, baseball has its world series, and... Well, you're absolutely right. That is why, that is why football is just one game. For the championship, but there's no way to determine who would have the home field advantage. You do it just by record, because that's to, if you're only playing one game. I still don't think that's fair. Yeah, I mean, there's I don't know, Michael, but I I really think that this that the uh, nine game World Series would be great for the game of baseball because it I think would be great for the game of baseball. But the games need to be divided up equally: five between one team and four between the other. Well, I mean, I mean that's a good point, but then also again on the other side of the fence, that I, it would really like, baseball needs to do something new. I mean, the World Series ratings are slowly declining, and this could be something that could boost the ratings up to the point where everybody will be interested in watching baseball again, and that's what they and that's what would be their main goal of trying to do, trying to fly in celebrities, and try to make the, the. NBA, I mean, the, trying to make the Major League Baseball World Series like the a very premier, trying to turn it into a every like a who's who of people that come and show up and watch the games. That's what the, that's what their goal is with this, and I think they can well, accomplish that. If well, they do I would that. I would think to do that you would need less games. No, I don't necessarily think so. That's why you only have two games in the neutral site to go ahead and I mean that's just going to be a. A fun opportunity. But how does having how does having the games in a neutral site, how does that make it more of a more of a, a premier type thing? I mean, you can possibly have games in Las Vegas. I mean, you could probably have games in New York and New York or Los Angeles or maybe even across over the seas. There's I mean, not even a team near Las Vegas. That's correct, but I guess I think they have a minor league team. That you that is right, and it's a uh, it's a Dodgers minor league affiliate, but. I think that it would be Las Vegas. I guarantee you, if they had the opportunity to host the world, first host host the first two games of the World Series, 
they started building a stadium immediately. And good thing they allow gambling. Hmm. Good thing they allow gambling. Oh yeah, but that's a completely different topic for another day. But I think it could be. It's just a very good way, I think, for Major League Baseball to generate more money and more attention for themselves. All right, Scott Boris. Okay, for one, he's an agent. What what business does he have suggesting that anyway? That's, but that's a true. That's Scott a Boris calling for a nine game World Series. And uh, listeners, we want your opinion. Get on the phone with us. Two eight one nine three four four two four eight. Two eight one. Nine three four four two four eight. We're waiting for this phone to light up here. We want to know what you think. If you would like to see a nine-game World Series, Houston or Astros one-game World Series, maybe or a one-game World Series. Houston Astros in action tonight. Roy Oswalt taking on Adam Eaton. First pitch about thirty minutes from now. Is 35, 35 minutes. minutes from now, and we're going to take you straight up till seven o'clock. Get you that five-minute break right before you can sit down and watch on Fox Sports Houston or listen on 740 AM Radio Houston. It's 630 on 107.9 FM KQLC. Talking baseball. Obviously, big news this week. Well, if you don't know, you should know. Because Craig Biggio has 3,007 career hits and counting. Yes. um, Great. I was at the game Thursday night, and it was... Lucky. Yes, I happened to be. I mean, it was just one of my all-time – it was just one of my all-time favorite games that I think I've ever been at. And I had a friend of mine, actually, that – Well, that's easy to say. It was the best game in franchise history. Uh, I, I believe I, – I wasn't at the 18-inning game when Chris Burke hit the home run. but Oh, I was there. I was there, and I would have much rather been at Biggio's 3,000th hit. Uh, you're probably right about it was, that. It was thrilling because it was Chris Burke. Yeah, and it was thrilling because it was Brad Ausmus in the ninth. Yeah, that was that was, and really it was nice. thrilling because we finally beat the Braves in the playoffs. Yeah, that was nice, but I just think that it was very, I just really enjoy being at that game. And I had a friend of mine actually that was not planning on being at the game, and he calls me up while I'm in the stadium, and he's like, "Hey, Marson, dude, are you?" Dude, do you think I should come to the game? Do you think he's going to do it? I'm like, he's going to do it. And so he came up to the game at 9.30, bought a standing room only ticket, illegally parked in lot B, just so he didn't have to, just so he could park pretty close. And he walked in the game, bought a standing room only ticket, and got there just in time to see Biggio hit number 3,000. That's, that's, that's got to be a great story. And I was at this 18 inning game, and another great story about that is uh, Roger Clemens' relief appearance. And I have a friend that was at that game and left. And, wow, what a mistake that was. What a mistake. How can you leave a playoff game ever? No, I, there's, I, don't, I don't leave games. I don't leave games when the Astros are losing 13 to nothing. I mean, I'll stay till the last hours recorded because I am a true fan and I don't give up on my team even though I know for a fact there's no way they can come back. But well, I still... Had that glimmer of hope always that they can pull it out somehow. Yeah, you know, I hate to see fans getting up and, and walking out when the home team is, when things are looking a little grim. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at I was at an 18-inning game last year. Dave Borkowski pitched six innings of relief. And I was with my roommate, and he was, he was saying, he was saying, Michael, we have to go, we have to go. I have a test tomorrow. And, um, and I drove, so, so we didn't he leave. He was unfortunate. 
It was unfortunate. So also, like even even with the Biggio game, I mean, we happened to get the lead up the next inning, and as soon as the home runs were hit against uh, Chad Qualls, people started get up going to the doors, and I was like, "Come on, there's no way we can lose Biggio's game in which he hit his 3,000th home run." And bottom of the eighth inning, well, Lance Berkman and Mike Lynn hit home runs. And then bottom of the eleventh, Carlos Lee goes ahead and sends everybody home happy. I think that that's why they were leaving. They didn't want to see – they didn't want to be there to see um, the Astros lose Craig Biggio's 3,000th hit game. And how cool was it that he brought out Jeff Bagwell between the lines, as he says? That was – that was an awesome experience. Also, I wasn't expe- I was expecting Jeff to be there, but I, as far as like actually being a part of any kind of celebration, I wasn't sure about if he would be a part of it. And it was very good to see Jeff again. And as Biggio said, it was good for him to be between the lines one more time for the fans to say say goodbye one more time or say hey, what's up, Jeff, and, or just to say just to appreciate how what Jeff did for the Astros all through all these years and. I just think it was a really good opportunity for Jeff Bagwell to show up and be here for his his best one of his best friends and former teammates just to be here for so they could share this moment together. Well, and when you say the two words Houston Astros, there's I, automatically four words you think of: Craig Biggio and Jeff, Jeff Bagwell. Bagwell. Yes, and, and that's it. And that's it. And it's just it's really awesome how in a in a in a time nowadays in baseball where there's free agency and there's just un, ungodly amounts of money being thrown at players to come play for their teams, how it was really they made it a point to each other to stay together with the Astros, stay with the Astros, and stay as teammates and just be the best of friends while they were doing it also and play the game the right way. Yeah, what a great testament, and that's what baseball is supposed to be all about. Yes, and uh, Biggio even said in his speech he played the right, he played the game the right way for the past twenty years, and he's and it paid off for him, and he became the twenty seventh member of the three thousandth hit club. Yeah, I hate to see when you know when you know a ball is hit sharply to the shortstop; it's a routine ground ball. I hate I hate when I see major leaguers just kind of jog it out. It it really makes me mad because I know there's got to be a lot of of, of younger, maybe less talented minor leaguers who would give anything to be able to sprint that out mm-hmm. and in, a, in a major league stadium. So it really, really kind of makes me mad when I see a major leaguer just just kind of jog halfway down on a um, on a six three play. Yeah, and uh, in fact, it was it was a typical six three play in the eleventh inning with two strikes. That Biggio just happened to beat out. and Talk about vintage Craig Biggio. Yeah, I mean, it was amazing. And then it turned out to be, like, one of the biggest parts of the game overall because it sent it sent Hunter Pence up to the plate, and he got an excuse-me double up the middle. And then Lance Berkman... An excuse-me double. Yes. How do you... What's the difference between a double and an excuse-me double? Well, he, it was just a little ground ball that went right up the middle, and there's a little bit of miscommunic- miscommunication between the second baseman and the shortstop of the Rockies. And Hunter Pence hustled all the way around the bases and turned it into a double. And then Lance Bergman gets plunked by uh, Brian Fuentes, and then Carlos Lee comes up and hits one down the line and sneaks it in the uh, foul pole and sends everybody home happy. Boy, did it ever send everybody home happy. Okay, so Craig Biggio obviously got number hits number 3,000, 3,001, and 3,002 on that night. Yes. But his 3,000th hit, he tried to leg out a single into a double. And he was thrown out by former teammate Willie Tavares. By a mile. By a mile. Steve, do you think that 
that him being thrown out at second does that tarnish his three thousand hit? I don't think so at all. I think it's I actually think it's a testament to the way he plays the game. I mean, he was trying to turn the single into a double to get in scoring position with two outs to hopefully he knew he just tied the game up. So why not try to get in scoring position himself for 100 pins to drive him in to take the lead for and try to get Roy Oswald to win? And that's just a consummate team player right there. Getting and Roy Oswald to win, that's not something we've heard very much. No, he's yeah, and I just think that just a, that's just a testament to the way Craig Biggio has played over the past 20 years, and he plays the game hard, and he's going to always – he's going to bust it around the bases every time, and he's just going to – he's going to play hard, and that's just the way – he, that's the only way he knows how to play the game, and I appreciate the way he does that. Yeah, if there's any young, any young little league baseball players out there looking for a role, role model, Craig Biggio is it. Yes, uh, he's the guy, and I, just, I, just, I really enjoyed over my entire lifetime of watching the Astros, always being able to rely on Craig Biggio, always hustling and always playing the game the way it's supposed to be played and playing it the right way. Yeah, I've, I'm 20 years old, and. It has been an honor to watch this guy wear an Astros uniform. Again, Biggio at 3,007 and counting. He leads all right-handed hitters in career doubles. I believe he just got his thousandth extra base hit. That's correct, Michael. He got his thousandth career extra base hit, and that puts him... I mean, when you think about... When you try to name people that he's... If you look at his numbers, he's up there with some amazing people. He... Happens to be one of the only two members of the 50, 50 doubles and 50 stolen bases club for one season, along with Tris Speaker. Craig Biggio, also all-time leader in, hit, in, in being hit by pitches. Yes. Seven-time All-Star. Not going to be on the All-Star team this year. Callers, if you have a different opinion than me and Steve, we want to hear it. 281-934-4248. Here in just a few minutes, we're going to get Brandon back on with the sports beat but right now we're still talking Astros Astros are in action tonight as Roy Oswalt making the start for the Astros Adam Eaton for the Philadelphia Phillies Ryan Howard in Houston tonight and Steve me and you are going to be going to the game a little later Mm -hmm. I think this is uh this may be my first time to get to see Ryan Howard play yes and Ryan Howard he is an amazing player. He's one of the special players out there. He's only in his second full season in the majors, and he already has 100, at least over 100 career home runs now. And when you think about that, I mean, he was he played a half season his first year up here back in 2005. Last year was his first full season in the majors, and he went ahead and just only won the MVP and only led the majors in home runs. And it's really amazing to see what this young youngster can do from uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Absolutely. And, um... We're going to get Ryan Howard's numbers right here as we're getting ready for Brandon with the ticker. Ryan Howard, 229 at-bats on the season. In 65 games, he scored 37 runs, 58 hits, 12 doubles, 19 homers, 57 RBI, still not more than Carlos Lee, 52 walks, struck out 86 times, though. That's a two fifty three average. Going to go to... Brandon Mickern with the sports beat. It's 641 on 107.9 FM KQLC. 
All right, Astros still playing the Minimate, 7.05. Roy Oswald takes on uh, Adam Eaton. I don't think Royal's too afraid of Adam Eaton. Um, it's going to be a very good uh, offense against a struggling offense, some good pitching against some bad pitching. should be a good game. You can probably catch some pregame on. Uh, right now we're going to take you up uh, right to the game. Speaking of the 18-inning uh, the 18, the 18 game, I think your friend that left was such a diehard Astros fan that he was just in disgust. He was in disgust that his team was losing to the Braves. So whoever that fan was, he was just must have been such a diehard fan that he could not watch his Astros struggle at home against the rival Braves. I'm Brandon Mickin. That is your sports beat. Six forty-two on Brookshire's Christian Community Radio, one hundred seven point nine FM, KQLC. We're gonna have Glenn Davis on to close out the show. We're taking you straight up until seven o'clock. That will be Astros game time. Well, seven oh five. We'll give you a little bit of a break. A five-minute break before you can catch the Astros on 740 KTRH Houston or on television. I think that's the preferred method. Fox Sports Houston. I'm with Brandon Micken, and we're talking Astros, Dynamo, U.S. Soccer in the Copa America. Steve, how do you feel the Dynamo's been doing this season? Dynamo, they've been doing really well this year. I mean, they they started out. I mean, they've been defensively, they've been playing the same way the whole year. They're just... They're just now starting to score goals, and they're starting to look really impressive, and I think they can make a run at the repeat this year. I think so, too. I think that um, that it's wishful thinking to think that uh, that they're the best team in the league right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you can. There's plenty of other teams out there that are, are running pretty well right now, like the FC, FC Dallas is running pretty well. But I just think... They're on top in the West, yeah. Yeah, and then, uh, I don't know, but... I think the Dynamo can be up there with the elite by the end of the season. What's funny is how the uh, what's funny is how the the Dynamo always seem to either get a tie, get a hard fought tie, or, uh, or or get the win over FC Dallas. And we've got Glenn Davis who's going to join us right now on the Primetime Sports Report. Glenn, how are you doing? Michael, how are you? Doing all right. How was your flight today? All right. All right. Well, we're talking Dynamo here. The Primetime Sports Report got Michael Simpson, Steve Marson, Glenn Davis from the Soccer Hour on 790 AM radio joining us to talk Dynamo soccer and the U.S. national team in the Copa America. Um, Also, Glenn, first of all, can we just get your opinion on this trade that was announced today? Uh, Nate Jacqua to the Dynamo for Kelly Gray. Yeah, I think first and foremost... uh Acquiring Nate Jakeway, I think, uh, Michael, what, what it does for Houston, it gives them a little bit more depth up front. Uh, there's uncertainty with, with the injury to Paul Daglish. Um, you've always got to keep in mind Brian Ching has had some problems with his knee over his career. So I think first and foremost, it's an insurance policy. Jake was uh, six foot four. He, he's a big physical specimen. He's, he's a different, different kind of guy and a difficult type of guy to deal with in a penalty area. Although I wouldn't say he's a prolific goal scorer, and I wouldn't say he's exceptionally good in the air. Uh, he has struggled in Los Angeles uh, with the Galaxy. Uh, and at first, uh, they thought David Beckham was going to be the guy 
you know, he'd be the guy uh, on the end of a lot of the delivery from David Beckham in Los Angeles. But, uh, you know, after a string of poor results and, and, and missed chances and clear chances being missed, I think they lost faith in him out in L.A. I know Dominic Kinnear has coveted him. Uh, Jake well, was an all-star last year for Chicago. I kind of think he got the all-star nod because the game was held in Chicago. I'm not sure he actually deserved to be in the all-star game, quite honestly. But uh, I think first and foremost, he brings depth. He brings a little versatility. And you never know, a guy who's six foot four on, on a smaller field like at Robertson Stadium in a penalty area can cause problems for opponents. Yeah, and when I, when I first saw this trade, my initial thought was, well, I really think the Dynamo are, are pretty set at the forward position with Brian Ching and Joseph Nguyenia, obviously, and, and Chris Wondolowski, who can come off the bench and, and, and really you know add a spark to the offense late in the game. Paul Dogleish, I know that his injury is uncertain, but I think he's probably going to be uh, on his way back from that eventually. Um, Glenn, I don't know, have you heard about Brad Davis? He is going to be out indefinitely with a, I believe, torn ligament in his knee. When did that come off? That, um, that I don't know, and that's that's shocking news. If it, that, when did that come off, and how'd you find that out? Um, we had Bernardo Fias from the Houston Chronicle on the air earlier in the show, and um, and he said that, uh, and, and he reported it to us. We we didn't know about it either, um, and and he told us about that. So Brad well, that's Davis, a big, that's out a big blow, and it's also a big blow after you've done a trade. You know, and, and you've lost a guy in Kelly Gray who's more of a midfield-type guy. But, but Jake was capable of playing uh, wide in midfield as well, but uh, he's certainly no Brad Davis. Yeah, absolutely. Brad leading the league in assists last year. And um, so, yeah, Glenn, um, want to get your opinion on the U.S. national team and the Copa America. Obviously, heartbreaking loss last night. Ricardo Clark with the goal, though, for the U.S. It was a 3-1 loss to Paraguay. Uh, opening match of the tournament was a 4-1 loss to Argentina. Um, so, Glenn, obviously Bob Bradley took a very young squad down to Paraguay. Do you agree with that? Do you think he should have taken that? I think that one of these tournaments this summer was absolutely going to be used as a player development tournament. Did Bob, did Bob Bradley make the right call? Well, I guess not. They conceded seven goals in two games. If you're looking at it strictly from the standpoint of results... Um, well, they got beat 3-1 to one and they got 4-1. to one. Have young players acquired experience in those games? You bet. But, you know, fans are not necessarily forgiving. After you won the Gold Cup, beat Mexico, got entry in the Confederations Cup, you know, people were hoping for, a, for a, you know, a platform into the Copa America. But they, they clearly prioritized the CONCACAF Gold Cup. They clearly went to Venezuela, with an inexperienced squad hoping to get people playing time and experience and to answer questions of, of who's capable of being a national team player and who's not. And, and then I think you've got to factor in a couple other things. Mexico and the U.S. are the only two teams that will go down to the Copa America after having played in a, in a full-blown tournament. The other thing is the U.S. is the only team that has a league going on. So I, I think there was some sentiment that they wanted to get – some of the players back to Major League Soccer. I, I think absolutely Landon Donovan should have been there. Um, you know, you can make a case for some of the foreign players because those guys are basically going back into preseason in another two weeks. Uh, you certainly don't want to send players fatigued and injured back to club teams, uh, you know, because you're trying to establish as a national team coach relationships with all the club teams in Europe that your guys play for. 
so that in your time of need and when you really need these players, uh, you're going to get them released. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's a tough one, Michael. It's a tough one because I can see it from both points of view. You're, you're trying to serve a number of different masters. And then on the other hand, there's something about me sitting here watching the U.S. Argentina saying, man, I'd like to see them measure up with these guys with their best team. Well, with the U.S.'s best team. Uh, That's right. How do you, how do you think, how do you think the, uh, the results would be? Oh, I think the U.S. would be far more competitive. Absolutely. Uh, things would be a lot different. Uh, you know, if guys like Mastroeni, Donovan, Beasley are there. The national team becomes a different U.S. national team without Landon Donovan and DeMarcus Beasley in the lineup strictly based on their movement and mobility. It becomes a completely different team. It's looked upon differently by opponents. Uh, those two guys uh, hold such an important piece to the U.S. national team picture. Absolutely. And um, I th- I'm right there with you. I think, you know, it would be – uh, very, very different had Landon Donovan, uh, maybe DeMarcus Beasley, joined the national team in the Copa America. But I think I think it's also good to give guys like Sasha Klitschin, um great minutes because these guys that are down there right now are the future of uh, of the U.S. men's national team. Um, well, yeah, no, there, there's no doubt about it. You, you're, you're projecting a couple years out now, and that's why you have to you have to start. You know, listen, Ricardo Clark, Jonathan Bornstein are two guys that you can clearly see that Bob Bradley is really trying to get a number of games for these guys over the course of the next couple of years because they're going to be a big part of World Cup qualifying and they're going to be a big part of, of ultimately uh, hoping uh, that you get to a World Cup and perform in the World Cup. And, uh, and, and you see Ricardo Clark and Bornstein, I think, are two guys that are just blossoming with the opportunity. Absolutely. Uh, bringing it back to MLS here a little bit, um, Houston is on a six-game unbeaten streak, um, winning streak broken with a tie to FC Dallas, in action Thursday at Robertson Stadium versus Red Bull New York. Um, This is going to bring out former Dynamo Kevin Goldthwaite and MLS leading scorer and former Aston Villa attacker Juan Pablo Angel. Um, Glenn, just, I guess, give us your thoughts on Juan Pablo Angel and um, just what he's brought to the league this season. Well, what he brings is professionalism. He brings, he's a foreign player that's taken Major League Soccer serious. Um, if you've seen some of the goals he's scored, you know, he scores goals effortlessly. He scores goals spectacularly. Uh, I think Thursday night you'll see, apart from Taylor Twelman, you're going to see the two best aerial center forwards in all of Major League Soccer with Juan Pablo Angel of New York and, of course, Brian Ching of the Houston Dynamo, who we saw perform so well against Mexico in the Gold Cup final. Angel is a proven goal scorer. He's done it all over from his days at Atletico Nacional in Colombia. Uh, at River Plate, he scored something like 50 goals in 111 appearances. Uh, then he was on to England, the English Premiership, and at Aston Villa had 62 goals and you know, uh, over 200 appearances there. This guy scores goals wherever he's gone. He's played in eight games in MLS, a brand-new league. He's got nine goals. He's tied for this, the the top uh, goal scoring in the league, but he's also like Brian Ching in that he, he needs good wide play. And he did not get that. I was out in Columbus doing the broadcast for HDNet this past Saturday, and New York was just uh, absolutely uninspired, unmotivated, uh, and got beat deservedly by Columbus 1-0. And, and Angel uh, did not get the, the wide play that, that he needs as a center forward, just as Brian Ching needs good wide play in order to enhance his quality. So 
um, you know, that, that's going to be a big issue at Robertson Stadium, I think, is, is who's going to win the battle out wide between these two things to get the most out of their center forwards. Absolutely. Houston Dynamo in action this Thursday, primetime on ESPN2 against Red Bull New York, um, bringing back Kevin Goldthwaite, former Dynamo, who was played a key role, really, um, in the championship. And, Glenn, what do you think Goldthwaite's role is going to be joining now Red Bull New York from Toronto? Well, the poor guy gets shipped to Toronto, does well in Toronto, and then he gets shipped to New York because New York uh, tried, is trying to create a little bit more room for their salary cap. Goldthwaite's on a salary of about $29,000. Todd Donovan was moved a left back to Toronto, who was on about 90000 So it clears about 60000 in cap space for the Red Bull, who are looking to find a, some more defenders. They've been very unsettled at the back, but I would say overall, as a team, they have not defended well. Um, they've been leaking goals, even though they only lost 1-0 to Columbus. Uh, they're a team that is clearly not in sync right now and uh, clearly coming to play uh, one of the teams in Major League Soccer that, uh, is on top of their game now. So, uh, you know, what does Goldweight bring? I mean, he's just, I think, the cheaper version of Todd Donovan. Uh, you know, I, I think they were happy with Donovan, but I think uh, their clearance cap space with Goldweight. But the, the other Houston area connection is Dane Richards, who played at San Jacinto College, who's going to be playing out wide and has had a good season for them as a rookie. Um, it may have hit the rookie wall a little bit, but. He's a kid to keep an eye on. He's a Jamaican international. He'll be playing on the right side. And he's, a, he's essential to the Red Bulls because a kid covers ground. He's got pace. He's got speed. And when you've got a midfield that has two older players like Claudio Reyna and Clint Mathis, uh, you have to surround those older players with some youth and with some work ethic and with some speed. Absolutely. Uh, Glenn, one more comment about uh, U.S. national soccer, and we'll let you go. Um, how big is it for the U.S. to make a Confederations Cup appearance? Well, I think it's huge. Before, I mean, that, that, that's the other thing that we forget about. And, you know, come Confederations Cup time, as we get closer to the World Cup, uh, you know, assuming that the U.S. qualifies out of this region of the world, which we, we can't ever assume things, because you've still got to play games, um, it's going to be very prestigious for the U.S. to be there. And the U.S. will be there and Mexico won't be there because we'll be representing CONCACAF as the champions of CONCACAF. So, you know, that's, that's the other kind of distant sort of uh, additional benefit you gain by winning the CONCACAF uh, Gold Cup. And, you know, I think this time of year it kind of gets confusing for some fans. There's so many tournaments going on and there's so many games being played. But uh, that, that's the additional benefit. And, and it is very prestigious, Michael, and it'll come uh, – just before, a couple months before the World Cup, and it's a great opportunity for the U.S. national team to get used to the conditions in South Africa, play some games there, familiarize herself with uh, playing over there against top European competition. So it's a win-win. All right, Glenn. Thank you for joining us tonight. Glenn Davis, host of the Dynamo Power Hour on 790 AM, the sports animal. That's Mondays at 7. Also, the Dynamo Soccer Report on Channel 55, the Tube, 6 p.m. on Fridays, replays 5 p.m. on Saturdays. Glenn, thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll look forward to it again soon. All right, my pleasure, Michael. Thanks for having me on your show. All right, thanks a lot. Bye-bye. That was Glenn Davis, national soccer personality, weighing in on Houston Dynamo and U.S. men's soccer. 
We're going to get Brandon Micken back for one last sports beat in about three minutes. Up until now, right now, we have the funny story of the day. Yes, and this this goes on and elaborates on last week's funny story about Mr. Takeru Kobayashi. How he it was it was looking like he wasn't going to be able to uh, compete in this year's uh, Nathan's famous uh, hot dog eating contest this year on July fourth tomorrow, and apparently it looks like that he will be competing tomorrow. And even though reports on ESPN say that. He can't o- even open his mouth big enough for like a, a normal dental cleaning, but apparently he's going to go out there and go ahead and compete and try to take down Joey Chestnut, who is dead set on t- taking over the mustard yellow belt that they give out every year. So who do you think is going to win this, Chestnut or Kobayashi? I don't know. If I was a betting man, which I'm not, I would probably put. I would probably go with Takeru Kobayashi, man. I, to, there's a good man that once said, to be the man, you got to beat the man. And right now, Takeru Kobayashi is the man. And I think that he's just the guy to beat still until he doesn't get beat. I think he's the guy that is just the one to win. Well, Joey Chestnut actually broke his record by eating, what was it, 59 and a, 59 59 and a half, half hot dogs. dogs. That's In 12 minutes. In 12 minutes. Hot 59 dogs and, and a buns. Half. He ate the buns too, and absolutely those buns when they get inside you, they expand. That's the rules. It's the rules, and those things expand when you get inside of you, and that's a lot of food. That's ten pounds of food in twelve minutes, and I just think that it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch. I I watch it every year usually, and I just think that I don't know. I really think it took. Kobayashi has everybody, might have everybody fooled, and I think he might go ahead and eat 65 or 70 hot dogs this time around. <laughs> I Who just, knows? I just, well, Joey Chestnut for one has already said that his goal is 60 hot dogs, but <laughs> I just think that it's funny that we're talking about professional eating on sports radio. Yes, uh, Michael, I agree with you. I mean, professional eating is. It's on ESPN, therefore it makes it a sport, right? No, I don't think so, because I don't think the National Spelling Bee is a sport. I don't think poker is a sport. Well, I mean, yes, ESPN, you're right. ESPN does not set that standard. Yes, I mean, you're probably right, but it is fun to talk about while we have a, while we try to figure it, fill in the extra five minutes of time that we have all the time for our last it's, funny segment of this day. Yeah, it's it's interesting to talk about. Um, and right now, we're going to get Brandon Micken on for the final sports beat of the day. Brandon. All right, guys, that's enough. Uh, that's enough talking about uh, hot dogs. I think uh, next week we should have our own hot dog eating contest uh, after the show here. All right, Astros, guys, what are you listening to the radio for? You need to go turn on your TV and you need to watch the Astros are going on in five minutes. Thank you for tuning in to the Primetime Sports Beat. I'm Brandon Micken, Michael Simpson, Steve Marson, and that was your Sports Beat. Have a good night. Seven o'clock, straight up and down here at Brookshire's Christian Community Radio, 107.9 FM KQLC LP, servicing Brookshire, Patterson, and San Felipe. For Steve Marson, I'm Michael Simpson. You've been listening to the Primetime Sports Report on 107.9 FM 
We're also available. Visit our website, www.primetimesportsreport.com. There you can subscribe to the podcast, read our blog entries, you know, whatever you want. Send us an email. We'll try to respond. Special thanks to my guests tonight, Houston Chronicle writer Bernardo Fallis. Also, national soccer personality Glenn Davis from the Dynamo Power Hour on 790 AM radio and the Dynamo Soccer Report on Channel 55, The Tube. Take a little bit of a break before tuning into the Astros game. It's being broadcast via radio on 740 AM KTRH Houston and via television on Fox Sports Houston. Speaking of breaks, Steve and I are on a 166-hour break. We'll see you next week on the Primetime Sports Report right here on 107.9 FM KQLC.